Good morning. The scripture this morning is from John 15, 18 through 16, 3. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. This is the holy word of God. Be seated, please. All right, thank you, Camilla, so much. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. Here we are. Um, it's so good to be together this morning in this space. Uh, my name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And uh, it, it's, um, again, just a, a privilege and, and an emotional uh, and encouraging time um, to be in this space gathered together. Um, if you're new or, or you've never heard me preach before, I want to let you know I stutter, so it kind of comes in and out, um, and I just want to give you a, a heads up on that. It, it could be that I'm really cold, um, but uh, it seems weird, though, saying that, because, right, it's going to be like 90 degrees today, and uh, last night I was at a wedding, and we were sweating like crazy, and then like two hours later, we were freezing, so, right, uh, 
A good friend of mine, Pastor Luke Simmons, is here, uh, lead pastor of Redemption Gateway. Uh, didn't know he was coming till this morning. So, um, and he used the term, they, when they first started, they also met in a school. And he said they, they learned to say it was either going to be the heat locker or the m- m- meat locker, <laughs> depending. So one of those extremes. And so we're, uh, we're in that spot right now. Um, and uh, I want to go ahead and uh, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 15 and 16, as you just saw. So if you have a copy of God's Word with you, a Bible, please go ahead and turn there. Meet me there. And John, um, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, would you hold your hand up and keep it up and we will get you one. Um, and if you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y estamos muy contentos que es aquí. And uh, uh, we're going to get into our time together. And as we do, as I mentioned, this is an emotional time. And um, I, even as Pastor Marcus was, was, was praying earlier, um, which I just love that he, he brought that. Thank you for doing that and just bringing that into our, our norm and our, our culture as a church. And um, there's just obviously just my mind was turning. My heart was turning. And I was thinking about just how do we... Um, kind of qualify this last couple of years, this last y- year and a half. And even I want to ask you, uh, how do you tend to kind of deal or interact with difficulty? Um, with, with, with um, as we saw and we'll be in talking about persecution or struggle in, in different ways, what's your tendency, what's your norm? Even um, there's a phrase that we said when we first started as a church and it's, you can take comfort in this, right? Some of you are like, okay, here we go. Um, what's coming after this? You'll, right? Take comfort in knowing that we're all going to be uncomfortable together. Every one of us will be uncomfortable, sometimes for different things. Um, but we'll all take comfort in knowing we're going to be uncomfortable together. And so as we look back on this last year and a half or so, um, kind of confession time, I said, and I actually shared this, our first week not meeting at Safford, which was March 15th, 2020, um, our our first week, I I shared, our our first time online, it was the first time we'd ever done anything online, and I confessed that about a month and a half earlier, someone asked me, hey, what do you think about this whole COVID thing, you know, going on, like, you know, in some other countries, it's kind of building steam, and um, and it was, to me, at the time, thinking, oh, H1N1, bird flu, swine flu, different things. I said, the words came out of my mouth, I could care less. Okay, yeah, you can, don't say for shame, but, right, I, a <laughs> little bit of a confession there, and I shared that, and was like, wow, and now, of course, looking back, like, I can't believe I said that, and um, obviously, I do care significantly, but even still, I think some of us, and then even our tendency is to be like, doesn't matter. Whether it's macro, right, global things like that, it's just to constantly be like, oh, just kind of put your head down, keep going. It's, you know, uh, kind of more of a laissez-faire approach. And then some of us, though, everything is the biggest thing. Okay, and now kind of zoom out of um, just speaking about COVID. Again, I want to acknowledge, as we prayed earlier, it has been a just a probably the heaviest time in all of our lo- life that we've experienced. But even as some people have talked about it, we, we're, we're quick to, to kind of 
use things and phrases like unprecedented, never seen before. So while some of us are quick to dismiss things unhealthily, others of us are quick to make everything the biggest thing. Well, whatever it is, right? This is the, the biggest thing we've ever experienced. Like, let me just pause for a moment on that note. Um, the, I was, as I was thinking and preparing, I, I've actually, in the last couple months, I've read a lot about Rome in first and second, the first and second century. And the reality of what persecution looked like for followers of Jesus in, in early Rome um, really convicted me for how quickly I kind of go right to, oh, persecution and use that word and that phrase. Or I thought back to uh, if you were alive around like 1917 to 1921 or somewhere in there and you saw, the, you saw World War I. Um, the, the, the most deaths, as far as we know, from any war the world has ever seen during World War I. And then the, um, the uh, influenza that just hit and, and wiped out masses of people. And then the Depression, right? 1920, 1921 came right after that. Um, and just thought, wow, that would be a, a, a difficult time to be alive. So again, coming back right now, Okay, I know there might be kind of a wait, like, what's going on here? What is this? I want to acknowledge that we tend to go one of two directions. We tend to, I think because of sin, because of pain, we tend to respond in one of two ways. We either dismiss and just try to pretend it's not there, have the ostrich effect, maybe, right? Bury our heads, pretend it's not there, and kind of move on. Or just get kind of caught up in a fur frenzy. First, let me maybe pastor us for a moment and and, um, share with you something I actually just read last night, so I don't have it up on the screen. But last night, I've been um, walking through this book. I'd I'd recommend it's called Spurgeon's Sorrow. So Charles Spurgeon um, from the late 19th century, great preacher, theologian. This is a great, helpful book. Um, And this is what, uh, what what I read that I, I just think speaks to us. Trial has succeeded trial and blasted all of our hopes. Trials become like waves on the sea rolling over us one after another. Such an accumulation of aches, pains, weaknesses, and sorrows can take their full toll on us. Our boat begins to leak Feverishly, while the waves roll in, we patch this hole and that one. The storm brews, our boat rises and falls. Let me say, okay, look at me. Um, I believe every one of us in this room, if we're honest, that speaks to us. Whatever it might be, right? Our tendency might be to say, oh, well, other people have it harder. Other people have experienced this. Yeah, this has happened, but it's... At least it's not this. I think God's message is not dismiss it or he doesn't get caught up in our frenzy. He says, I see you. What you're going through is difficult and painful. While we tend to dismiss or exaggerate or just get laser focused on, Jesus does neither. The good news, that the word for that that's often used, you may have heard it, is the gospel. The good news of Jesus is he says, I see your pain, but I'm not overwhelmed by it. So as we'll see as we get into the scripture together in John 
15 and 16 is this. If you align yourself with Jesus, you will experience suffering. And you will never be alone in it. So with that, will you pray as we turn to John 15 together? Again, Father, we um, come before you right now, this morning, excited, some of us, uh, just glad to be here in this space, glad to be together, seeing people some of us haven't seen in months or years even, um, overwhelmed by emotion as we prayed, as we think now, I think of family members lost, friends lost, um, friends who've lost jobs, Lord, just difficulty, pain, uh, thank you that you're loving enough and truthful enough to look at it, to acknowledge it, to recognize us, but also to give us hope. So I, I pray that, 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 that every one of us, our thoughts, our, our minds, our heart will be fixed on you and that you will mold us and shape us by your gospel, your good news. Amen. All right, picking up together in John 15, let's read. Again here together. Verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. This is Jesus speaking. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things that they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Okay, Jesus is abundantly clear there. Again, if you're going to align yourself with Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. You will experience difficulty. And he uses this phrase there a lot, the world, right? There's a phrase there, not of this world. Someone should make sweatshirts and stickers and stuff out of that, <laughs> right? As long as they give credit where, where it's from. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to not be of this world? I, I bet you a lot of us would have our own definitions of that. And well, I think it's this, I think it's that. World, okay, that, that phrase that Jesus uses is, is, is anything that's not completely under his rule and reign. Okay, the kingdom of heaven, a phrase that Jesus uses often in the beginning of Mark, he ushers this in. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's among you where Jesus is. The kingdom of heaven is coming. And, and, and when the kingdom of heaven comes in full, it, it will be full, F-U-L-L. -L. Um, in, in full, in completion, it will be Jesus ruling over all things, where we see a picture of that, where he says, behold, I am making all things new. Every tear will be wiped away. Every broken relationship among us will be mended and fixed. Our, our relationship with God, our creator, will be um, perfect and made new and restored, and we'll experience that as it is now. It will all be better. And so even now, before Jesus returns and makes it all come together in full, um, his kingdom is at hand, right? Where we are gathered, where we're submitting to him, where we're, perf where we're loving God and loving our neighbor. The great commandments, as Jesus said, that's his kingdom. Well, the world is 
is the result of us individually and corporately turning our backs and saying, no, thanks, God, we'll figure it out. I want it my way. I know what's best. I know what we need. And the result is brokenness. It's discord. It's, 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 the, it's things are not the way they should be. So the world, again, is any system or structure that is not under his rule and, and reign. And so um, I, I want us to be clear here that um, he... he He's saying, like, you won't fit in perfectly anywhere if you align yourself with Jesus. Okay, let, let that sit in for a moment. What does that mean? Where does that, what, do, what does that look like? Some of you, probably like me, love to be loved, love to be a chameleon, right? I love to just kind of connect wherever I am. In fact, I don't know if some of you struggle with this. I, I tend to, and I try really hard not to, um, often I take on like accents and, uh, and, and kind of ways of speaking and stuff as other people. And I really try hard not to, cause it can be really unsensitive, insensitive. And, 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 and I, I try not to, and, and yet it still happens. And there's something there, not just in kind of vernacular and vocabulary and, you know, accent and things like that, but also just in, 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 in presence, wanting to, to, to connect and, um, but the, the, the message of Jesus is if we align ourselves with him, any space we're in outside of his kingdom, we will exper- experience being outsiders, or even as he says, hatred or persecution. There are places we won't fit in. In fact, skip ahead down to um, verse, um, down to, to, to chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, where he says this, He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is doing, he is offering service to God. So put you out of the synagogues, right? That might not really connect with us. We're like, I don't really go to synagogues very often. Well, the people he's talking to in their day, the synagogue would have been the place of social connectedness, of of family, of relationship, of of kind of worldview, like how you look through the world is often learned and experienced in the synagogue. And it would be, I think, too easy to just say, oh, that's the church. Um, I think in our day, the synagogue, if we were to kind of do the work to consider what does that look like in, in, in our time, one of the most obvious, I think, of our synagogues would be social me- media, right? Friend groups, where we get affirmation, where we get likes, where we get comments, where we're kind of where people, echo chambers, maybe more n- negatively, but where we can, can kind of feel like we're all in the same boat, in the same place. A number of others, maybe for some others, I remember some of my friends were a part of this thing called the Elks Lodge, right? And there were all these different lo- lo- lodges and things like that. Some of you have no idea what that is. That's okay. But, right, a place like that or a country club, a sports team, um, even, uh, um, like, a, a for some of our kids here, high school, youth group, like, y- you know, um, junior high, you go to the l- lunchroom, the cafeteria. Is that still a thing? Uh, okay, I'm a little bit, right? Circle around the table. Where's the cool table? Who do I eat with? Kind of, where do I know I'm going and stuff? That kind of place, Lord help us, let's be honest, even churches can fit into this. Uh, like a synagogue where you're either an insider or an outsider, and sometimes, if you're fully aligning yourself with Jesus, you're, you're kind of not welcome. 
You're, you're, you, you have to say certain things. You have to check certain boxes, some of which are not based on Scripture. And, and if you, if you kind of fit in, then it's cool. But if you fully align yourself with Jesus, you might, be, you might not fit in well. And, and that's the reality, right? If you align yourself with Jesus, um, at times you will be hated. You won't fit in. Now pick up with me in verse um, 25 there of chapter 15, where we see something here. Oh, let me actually, right, I read verse 3. It says, they will do these things, be, um, no, it says, it says, whoever, there will come a time when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. That struck me too, and I just want to quickly acknowledge that too together, that sometimes, like, unless we do the hard work of pressing in, of, of considering, God, what is your will? What is your word? What does it mean to follow you? What do you say? And to understand that we all are wearing particular cultural lenses, and that often we, we think things through the, 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 the realm of where do I want to fit in? Where, what have I heard here and there? And what does it look like to be in that place? And that some people, right, just say, oh, in the name of God or in the name of truth or, or, or to be biblical. And we just throw that word out sometimes. And some of us even will deceive ourselves and we'll think, oh, I'm doing service to God right now. Okay, so first of all, I think be aware of that. Just because Christian is slapped on it, a bumper sticker, a t-shirt, a slogan, a phrase, doesn't mean it's of Jesus. So be aware of that maybe out there, and also skeptical of that in here, in our own hearts. Where are we too quick to just go right there and just assume we're, we're doing his work? See, I told you, we're going to be uncomfortable together here. It gets better. Continue in verse 25 here, John chapter 15. It says, but the world hated both me and my father, but the Word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Jesus was hated without a cause. Sometimes we're not. <laughs> All right, again, we're, I think, pretty quick to just assume, oh, I'm just, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm being just, if I'm, if I'm being resisted, it must be because I'm standing on the truth. It's just, and some of us get too quick to just assume that's the case. Okay, let me just give maybe a filter, is to think through, why am I being resisted right now? Why, uh, why was Jesus resisted? Why was Jesus hated? A couple things he was hated for was proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We looked at a couple of weeks ago that his message, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through him, that his call is to simply abide in him, to simply obey him, and then to simply love. Right? That, that is part of the, the fullness of the gospel, the good news of what it means. And so Jesus proclaiming those truths was hated. So we can look through that lens. Am I hated because I'm standing on and proclaiming the gospel? Jesus was hated for aligning with marginalized people. Yeah. Jesus was hated for um, calling out his own groups that would have accepted him if he didn't expose them. He was hated for calling out systems of self-promotion. He was called out for calling out, or he was hated for calling out um, injustice. 
Jesus was hated for exposing and calling out evil. Even from people who are like, oh, I thought you were my friend. Why are you calling that out right now? Jesus was hated for exposing us and for consistently challenging worldviews and structures and lenses through which we view the world. So I think if we're hating and calling those things out, um, we will be hated. If we're aligning ourselves with Jesus along those lines. Again, let us not be too quick to just assume that when we're experiencing what we perceive as or experience as persecution, that it's absolutely because we're aligned with Jesus. And what would it look like to consistently proclaim the gospel? To pursue opportunities to align ourselves with marginalized people. To, to look for opportunities to, again, um, be skeptical of our own biases in ways that we are trying to squeeze Jesus into our lives, right? Into our kingdoms. And, and, and as he exposes things, we confess it. We have hard conversations with friends. We, we maybe call out things we've taken for granted together that we say, hey, maybe this isn't of Jesus. Maybe this isn't a part of his kingdom, what it looks like to follow him. Because Jesus um, did say that we will be hated. So again, for those of you in here like me that, that hate to be hated, right, that love to be loved, um, I think it's honest and good if we look at saying, okay, if we do align with Jesus, sometimes family members, friends, fellow church members will be offended. Let us not be too quick to assume we're being persecuted, but also let us acknowledge this is difficult. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I, I want to I tell you as lovingly and as honestly as possible, um, Jesus is calling you to follow him, and there will be pain. There will be difficulty. But his promise to you is you will never be alone in it. Yeah, look at um, verse 26 and 27 now, where Jesus promises he will be with us. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Helper capital H. Look at your Bible there and you see there the helper. The helper is God himself. God the Holy Spirit. The one who Jesus depended on for everything he did in his ministry. If like me, you assume, oh, well, Jesus kind of was like, he was like, you know, Clark Kent and Superman, if you know that. And he's like, yeah, he's a humble carpenter. And he kind of walks like this. But then he can pull out the God card, right? Like he miraculously takes off his glasses and all of a sudden, and his hair all of a sudden gets perfect. And, you know, and, and then he rips open his shirt and there's an S on there and he's just ripped and, right? And Jesus just pulls out the God card whenever he wants to do something God-like, right? Feed thousands of people, heal someone who's sick, something like that. Well, Jesus, though he's fully God, also became fully man. Okay, 100% God, 100% man. And throughout his entire earthly ministry, he submitted to, depended on, the Holy Spirit. 
Everything he did was empowered by God the Holy Spirit, including being raised from the dead. And then when Jesus' followers were like, Jesus, don't leave, don't leave. You said you're leaving. Uh, I think you got this one wrong, right? And then in one case, uh, he told his friend, Peter, uh, get behind me, Satan. Like, don't try to stop me. I know what I'm doing. And then elsewhere, he says, it's better for you that I go away. And you're like, oh, again, Jesus, I think you're kind of mixed up there. Like, how many of us think if Jesus would just burst through the door, it would all be better? Okay, I do think that, by the way. But sometimes it's also because we don't understand the gift that he's given by leaving, ascending, so that he could send the Holy Spirit. Okay, over the last couple of weeks and the next coming weeks, we are talking about the person, the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you have put your, your faith in Jesus, he has sent the Holy Spirit, not just to be with you, near you, next to you, but in you. He's the helper. Okay, to think of it along these lines, I just um, have a couple minutes I can, can kind of mention this. The same word in the translation of the Hebrew Bibles, it was translated into Greek, that is used for the Holy Spirit, um, Azer, when, when God tells Adam that, that he is giving him a, a helper, it, it, the, the, the word, the phrase, the term is a necessary ally. Okay, when God created Adam, he said, let, let us make man in our image, and then he said, it's not good that he's alone, not because, and I just officiated a wedding last night, and, and I, I, I thankfully, I didn't say this like, you know, Casey, are you, you don't want to be alone, right? God agrees, so he gave you a wife, right? That's, I, that's just wrong on so many levels. What, what, what he means is, what he says is, God created us to bear his image, to reflect him. And so we need necessarily to be in community, to be in relationship. And as an individual, Adam was unable to image God, to reflect God in, in all that he did. And, right, he needed relationship. He, he, had a, he needed a necessary ally. And so that same one, hopefully that platforms and elevates our view and our understanding of marriage of women, of, of wives, of community, and also, in this case, the Holy Spirit. Outside of the Holy Spirit, you cannot live the Christian life faithfully. It's impossible. We can memorize as much as we want. We can try as hard as much as we want. We, no, we need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I've given him to you. He will help you. It will be difficult. You will be hated. You will be persecuted. You will have trials and sadness, but you'll never be alone. Yes, because we have each other. We have community. Most importantly, most profoundly, we have God himself living in us. And he will help you. He will empower you to do what? Again, to align yourself with Jesus, to live a life of loving God and loving others, to, to live a life of obeying Jesus and fully living on display as a citizen of his kingdom. All of life is all for Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. And then he says, in closing, in chapter 16, verse 1, I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. 
Okay, picture right now, if you played sports, I've done a lot of non-sports analogies over the last year and a half, but okay, in, indulge me for a moment. Right, if you, you have that, that, that moment that comes to mind, and I'm sure there's an another one. My wife is very involved in theater and things like that. I'm sure there's a kind of a pregame talk right before that too. Um, <laughs> but you know, stutter, not very attractive. I couldn't do theater, so I align with sports. Um, right, but there's, there are these moments where it's like hands on the shoulder, eye contact, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going to be out of breath. You're going to be tired. You're going to want to quit. Hang in there. There's this scene that comes to mind for me from um, the movie Rocky IV, where one of the best movies of all time. Um, and it's really cheesy. And actually, if you watch it, not very well done, but still something about it just is. Well, it's actually a flashback. He's having a flashback to his trainer, M M M M Mickey. And uh, this old man, Mickey, right, typical kind of New Jersey, Philadelphia, like, you know, beanie rolled up and just this kind of gruff guy. And he gives him this talk. I'm not going to quote it because there's a profanity in there. But it's basically like, you're going to get knocked down, Rocky. But remember everything I've told you and know what's on the other side of it. Get back up. Hang in there. Well, even more powerfully than Mickey, right, than, than any coach we've ever had, than any kind of hoorah motivation we can give ourselves, is Jesus, the author of life, the one who in the very beginning created all things, and then the one who says, I know the end of the story, and it's far better than you can hope to imagine. Everything will be restored and made new. Jesus now says, look at me. I love you. I finished my race. I died on the cross. And I rose from the dead. I was persecuted and I suffered. And if you align yourself with me, Jesus says, you too will be persecuted. You will be hated. It will be difficult. Okay, Jesus was not a very good... Um, kind of attractional <laughs> preacher, right? He didn't just kind of comfort you and, and right? He told you straight out, it's going to be tough, but you're not alone. I've sent the helper. He'll fill you. He'll empower you. He'll keep you. And on the other side, it's going to be far greater. Jesus says, you die with me, you also live with me. He rose from the dead and he said, you now can live the resurrected life, the kingdom life that I have ushered in for you. And now lastly, I want to encourage you, just all of us, press in. Press into this moment. Press into light. Press into Jesus looking at you. He doesn't have to brush it away and just pretend and bury it away because I can attest to this. It will eventually come crashing down and you will be faced with the reality of pain and suffering and persecution. Okay, but he also just doesn't say, oh no, what do we do? I don't know what's going to happen. What, what I want to encourage all of us, over the last year and a half, I've been overwhelmed at some times as I've talked to people and I've just said, I, I want you 
to avoid this, in some cases, seemingly inevitable outcome where you look up in four years, five years, ten years and say, what happened? How did we get here? Parents of young children, parents of older children, kids in junior high, high school, right? Married couples, people who in this last season have thought, oh, I'm more pressing into the capital C church. I listen to podcasts and I do these things and I just, and then just kind of get out of community, get out of habits, get out of spiritual disciplines and norms as I have done and been tempted to do a lot over this last year. I think, again, Jesus' message is, listen, press in. Don't turn your, your, your head away. Okay, he says, it's going to be difficult. I'm telling you these things because it's going to be difficult. I want you to know. I don't want you to, to pursue temporary ease. Again, friends, church, let's pray. Let's respond. Let's turn to Jesus who promises we are never alone and we look forward to glory and joy for all eternity. It's far better than we can hope or imagine. Father, um, we respond to you now as your children. Together, those who have put their faith in you, brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, thank you for community. Man, I, if, if ever I downplayed the gathering together, the seemingly mundane routines of Sunday morning. I repent of it and thank you for calling us to gather together, to meet together. This is so sweet. Lord, I pray that you lead us to your gospel, to your table, or to union with you, to alignment with you. Lead us and guide us and fill us and empower us by your Holy Spirit. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.